Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Punchstown Day 1 preview coming to you. Recording on the Monday, looking ahead to the first day of racing over at Punchstown and looking at Tuesday's racing. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests. We have Odds Checker's very own uh, tipster, Andy Holding, before he flies out tomorrow to the racing itself. Andy, looking forward to your trip over to the Emerald Isle. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to the Punchstown Festival. It was a regular haunt. Uh, for the thick end of sort of 10, 15 years, never used to miss it at all. Me, Sam Turner, and a few, the William Hill uh, race, radio, racing radio mob used to go over um, and um, terrorise the the nice uh, pubs and clubs afterwards. Um, but um, yeah, because of COVID and, and one or two commitments, obviously family-wise, um, yeah, I think I, I think I've missed out for the last three or four years. So it's good to get back. I'm really looking forward to it. And looks as though we've got a good uh, a good few cards to cover as well in this podcast as well. Yeah, looking forward to getting through it, some cracking races all through the week. Uh, and also delighted to be to be joined by racing broadcaster, sports broadcaster, Johnny Ward as well. Johnny, you're going to be there on Thursday. And by the sounds of it, um, if anyone sees you, could be a little bit worse for wear come the day. A few, a few uh, corporate free drinks on the cards. Yeah, um, I, I could be a bit worse for wear the following day anyway. But I, <laughs> I, I, I tend to perform all right in the day. It's the day after I struggle. With, but Mr. Holding will be there. So uh, if we cross paths, we we'll hopefully have a few winners to toast at that stage. Uh, so. It's um, just looking at the decks and delighted with the numbers, I have to say, for the first two days, George. It looks like pretty much everyone you want to be there is there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for those who, who maybe just follow kind of the bigger festivals and, and things or maybe got hooked over Cheltenham a few weeks ago, some of the um, some of the clashes uh, just in terms of quality of racing, there's absolutely no step down here. There is some elite stuff taking place over the course of this week, starting on Tuesday. Um, we'll get into the, the racing in just a second. But, Andy, for, for those... Looking to have a bet themselves, uh, maybe we're going to kind of go through the form and, and, and follow what you guys are saying. What kind of conditions can we expect over the course of the week? I'm sure you've had your, your weather app uh, out a few times over the uh, over the weekend and this morning. Yeah, the, the weather maps I've been looking at anyway um, suggest that we, we're pretty much going to be set fair over in the Caldera area, unless Johnny's got any uh, further updates. But I don't think we're going to get too much appreciable rain. And I think up to now, I think the clock, of course, has done a good job maintaining it at good to yielding yielding in places um and of course they move the rails down there johnny as well pretty much every, every day so we we tend to get fresh ground by and large all the way through the week certainly on the hurdle track anyway yeah the i spoke to gordon Ennett yesterday and he was kind of saying that some of his bumper horses he's just put them out for the summer now he says he's a bit worried that the ground in general is actually a little bit faster than you'd want um it's been a warm sort of few days in in ireland with with very little rain it's warm today i think it's going to be pretty warm week so it's a difficult one for Punchestown I mean they obviously will have to uh, keep it safe and we saw at Cheltenham what can happen but um, mm-hmm. if you if you wanted horses that's um, I'm going to oppose some horses I think that are more staying types more stamina horses it's going to be pretty speedy by Punchestown standards yeah absolutely and as you say after the Cheltenham festival I think the um, you know the, the hoses may not come out until uh, absolutely necessary uh, ahead of this week uh, before we get into the racing and we're just going to go through the card on Tuesday uh, this is our Tuesday episode we'll be recording a Wednesday preview straight after and then in uh, later on in the week we'll be doing the rest of the days as well but do download the odds checker app uh, there you can get the very best prices that we'll be talking through as we go uh, the best bookie offers free bets uh, place terms crucially with lots of firms uh, giving you extra places uh, in certain races where there are lots of runners too. So do download the app now. And also Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing, not just 
for the Punchtown Festival, of course, or any major festivals, but every day's racing, except when he's earning, uh, when he's getting a well-earned break, I should say, uh, earning his break every day of the year elsewhere. Uh, we'll start then with the first. Uh, it is the 340 at the Mayor's Novice Hurdle, and Dino Blue is the 7-4 favourite ahead of Party Central at 3-1. to uh, Grongi is 4-1, to Brideshill 13-2, to Instit 8-1, to Lunar Display 11-1, to 25-1 to bar, 11 runners. And Andy, I'll come, come to you here first because Dino Blue, the regular uh, readers of your column, regular watchers and, and listeners to this show will remember how keen you were on Dino Blue after that first run. Uh, fair to say she, um, despite huge market support for, for pretty powerful connections, things didn't go to plan at Cheltenham um, and over two and a half last time, again, didn't really uh, set the world alight, but comes in here. Uh, as still as a, a fairly short price favourite with a couple of horses that um, that have performed better than her um, in similar races recently. So how do you assess the top end of this market now? Yeah, the, the one thing I will say about this race, I don't know if Johnny agrees, but it it, it looks fairly um, a fairly weak affair, weakish affair, let's say. Um, we've got a lot of refugees out of certain races rather than uh, actual winners or the big players in the Grade Ones, horses that disappointed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, it's um, it's certainly up for grabs anyway, let's say. It's certainly a, a race that Dino Blow should be uh, very competitive in, there's no doubt. I actually thought she ran a little bit better than you suggested last time out at um, Fairy House behind Brandy Love. Brandy Love was a really impressive mm. winner, despite still running um, to, towards a, a left or towards a near side rail. She still was very impressive in, in beating a good field. They went a good gallop that day. Um, and Dino Blow, I thought, stayed on quite eye-catchingly. It was a much better run than it was at Cheltenham. I thought I think in hindsight, Mark Walsh probably rode a little bit too aggressively that day. Um, he rode as if he was riding him at Clonmel on a on a weekday um, minor <laughs> meeting when he, he, you know, he could sort of boss and dominate a field. But he, you know, you're not necessarily going to do that in a 19 runner uh, grade two at uh, Cheltenham, and that's exactly what he did. Unfortunately, she wasn't quite up for it uh, off the back of only just one one run. Um, but um, I think she's definitely the best horse coming into this race, anyway, as far as I could see. Party Central. Again, a little bit disappointing for me. Probably more so, uh, even um, in that in that race at Cheltenham um, behind mm. the Love Envoy, because she travelled really well um, off the speed, and yet she found absolutely nothing. Um, so there was mitigating circumstances for Dina Blue in my eyes, because say she was just a little bit too prominent, a bit too keen. Um, and Dina Blue has obviously gone on to run well since. Grandi was well beaten in that Fairy House race. Can't see turning a shit, uh, turning the form around with Dina Blue. I suppose the interesting one's the bottom one. Instit, uh, again, another Willie Mullins representative. She was well backed on a, uh, a rules debut at Limerick um, uh, back in March. She travelled really well. She looked like you winning two out. And then Danny Mullins went for it and there was nothing really there. The cupboard was bare. She got beat by a horse called Mano Work, who is just an OK juvenile. Uh, won at Leopardstown, but, you know, was way short of the standard required for a Cheltenham Festival, let's say. So unless it was just strictly down to fitness... Formal lows, I think. Formal alone, I think Institute has got a bit to find. So, in summary, I think Dino Blow is the right favourite. Um, what I back at seven to four, not necessarily sure about that, but um, she's the selection anyway for this uh, podcast. Just quickly before we move on to, to to Johnny's thoughts, there you mentioned that she stayed on well um, last time. So is this is a step back and chip, therefore not a bit of a negative here? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd have to say that, um, but. It, she did show a huge amount of speed mm. at Clonmel first time out. Almost too much speed for her own good at um, the Cheltenham Festival. She was just too keen from an, from an early stage. You know, she was in front yeah. after after a, after a, a hurdle, 
um, which is not the way to ride her, really. So I think they could probably revert to back to being quite aggressive again with her back over two miles. They basically rode her to get the trip last time out, and she did get it. But she was just out, stayed by stronger stayers on the day, if that makes any sense. Or mm. just a better standard of horse. You know, Brandy Love would be, you know, a massive odds on shot to win this. Um, but uh, without the Brandy Loves in this world, in this race, then, um, like I said, it's very much open uh, open and up for grabs. Johnny, how do you see it? Yeah, Andy's, Andy's uh, reference to refugees there reminds me of a quote in With Neil and I, London is a city coming down from its trip and there's going to be a lot of refugees and there might, there might be a few refugees. Uh, I, li- I like the terminology, Andy. I know what you're getting at here. Um, I think I think Dino Blue should probably win. I think they completely changed tactics on her at Fairy House. It was almost like they rode her um, A, to get the trip and B, to kind of get her to just chill out because they didn't put a hood on her. They put a hood on Brandy Love the last day. It looked like Dino Blue might have wanted a hood, but they didn't put a hood on her. But I thought, you know, she was caught a bit flat-footed out of her ground coming to the third last. She didn't have much chance. She was a bit untidy at second last without it making much of a difference. But if you look at how she ran relative to Love Envoy, that was much more in keeping with what they expected at Cheltenham. And if that's the case, basically, she should be Party Central, who is probably a bit of a bridal merchant. As much as she's had a great year, she found nothing at Cheltenham. And Dino Blue was so well back on that occasion. She was obviously working really well. Um, I think this should be straightforward enough tactically for her. Again, you know, it's unusual for William Mullins to run three horses, to run three times in succession as quickly as that. So I think they probably think they're on a bit of a mission retrieval with her. Not sure I'd be bothered about taking seven to four, but for me, she's she's definitely the most likely winner of the race. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the market works out. But I, I thought the performance at Ferry House was very reassuring in the context of what she did at Cheltenham. Anyone else you would be looking to back at the prices here? Or is it a bit of a no, no bet race for you? Bit of a no-bet race. Um, Brides Hill would have a chance. I mean, she, she'll she have no issues with the ground. She's coming back um, after obviously disappointing last time. As 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 Andy said, it, it, Instant was well fancy the last year. That form is nowhere near good enough. And you'd imagine we'd have an awful lot to find. So not really. I'd, I'd if, I, if I were having a bet in the race, I'd probably just back the favourite. Good stuff. On to the second race on the card then, the 4.15. Um, the uh, champion novice hurdle uh, over two miles. And Sir Gerhard is 4-6 to, to win this one. Uh, the Ballymore winner at the Chutton Festival. Uh, Dysart Dynamo, 15-8. to eight. Second favourite, of course. Went off favourite through the Supreme uh, before falling uh, from the front. Uh, Mighty Potter, 8-1. to one. Uh, Vina Adanza 33 to 1 and Gatsby Gray 50 to 1. Not the most appealing betting heat, I guess, this, Johnny, but but certainly interesting in terms of, of the two Munnins runners at the top end. Yeah, I think unless I got this wrong, I think Sir Gerhard was a was a shade of odds against sort of yesterday or post declaration time. The one kind of caveat I'd have when this race took place last year. Um, I couldn't figure out the market at all. I don't know if I'm sure Andy had a view on the race at the time. Echoes and Rain was sent off eight to thirteen. Blue Lord was sent off fifteen to eight. Even though Blue Lord had won so well um, at Cheltenham, had plenty in hand on ratings and was ridden by Paul Townend. So I, I couldn't figure mm-hmm. out why the amount of Patrick Mullins was backed as well as she was, and she ended up winning. So you know maybe the jockey bookings. I wouldn't necessarily say oh definitely Sir Gerhard is the one here, but for me I'd be. I'd far prefer him to Dicer Dynamo. I think Dicer Dynamo was definitely in trouble at Cheltenham when he fell. I know he likes his track. It'll be very, very hard to maintain that gallop here, though. Uh, and if Sir Gerhard jumps, as, if he puts in a good round of jump and he's well able to travel just off him, I think he's plenty of pace to source. I think the, you know, the issue at Cheltenham was whether he'd stay or not, as opposed to if you ran the Supreme, um, I don't think that would have been a problem for him at all. I, I'd be very, very confident that he'd win this, to be honest. 
very confident there uh, for to, to justify the four to six. One of those maybe for those who like to have an ACA or, or you know a multi bet over the course of the day or the week. So go have maybe the one for Johnny to put in there. Uh, Andy, do you agree with that? I do. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm surprised at it. Is he? You say he's five to six in the place? Is it? Is no, it right? four to six. Four to six, basically everywhere. All oh, right. Yeah, that, that, that's a bit of a shame. Um, I was going to say five to six or somewhere in around that market isn't a bad price because yeah I think he's just miles miles better than this lot um, as his odds suggest. Um, obviously Dysart Dynamo is on a bit of a retrieval mission. I think going right-handed might help Dysart Dynamo. I didn't think he looked all that comfortable at Cheltenham to be honest at any stage. Mm. He was just he was just wide to the moon. You watch him go down at the start. He was keen. He obviously you know broke the tape as well early on. He was just too keen to get on with it. He basically run his race by by um, you know going past the stands and. He did the rest of the, the journey until till he fell on adrenaline, I think. Um, he was absolutely punch drunk, I think, when he fell. Um, there was nothing did, left did, in the did, locker. Did John Bond have a part to play in that as well? I mean, they just oh, absolutely, a... yeah. I think the two of them suffered each other up. There's no doubt about it. But I think it affected John Bond just as much as it did Dysart Dynamo. Yeah. Uh, look, he's, you know, he's <clears> going <throat> to be off in front. Small field, tactical scenario. He's, he's going to be ideal for him. You know, that's when he was good in the Moscow Flyer. Not totally ruling him off here, but like I say, he just... I, I don't like horses like him that give them very give themselves very little chance in a race, and it's an either it's an all or nothing job with the Isart Dynamo. I, I feel, whereas I think you can ride to Gerhard anyway. You can make the running with him if you wanted to. I presume they'll drop him in and, and let Isart Dynamo, um, you know, give him a lead till as far as he wants. But look, you know, he's just a very very strong stay. He's got plenty of you know tactical speed for two miles. He's one over two. He's one over two and a half and. You know, he beat three strike life who absolutely bolted up at Aintree after off mm. the back of a hard season. So the only negative <clears> I could see is he, he run below par last year in the bumper behind Kilcrit um, after looking the dominant force in his division. That's the only negative I could come with. Other than that, then I think he's a good four to six shot. Good four to six shot there. Uh, so Gerhard, the one in this second, uh, the champion novice hurdle there for both Andy and for Johnny. Uh, we'll move on then to the handicap hurdle uh, over two miles as well. Third race on the card, the 450. As I say, we're recording this on Monday morning. Only one firm out at the moment. That's William Hill. Uh, and they uh, are priced up as follows. So Glan is the five to one favourite. Ardler, six to one. Uh, Esky Lane, 15 to two. Far out, 17 to two. Uh, Hearts of Trumps, 10 to one. Great Bear, 12 to one. Uh, good large and uh, tax for Max and Clifton Warrior all 14 to 1, 16 to 1 bar, 18 runners at the moment. Um, Hills are a fifth to five as it stands. Probably be a couple of firms who even go six places tomorrow, Andy. Um, any any views on those early prices now? Yes. Um, I, I've got to be honest, I, I, I'm a bit selfish here, but I was, I was rather hoping that we would, we'd, we'd avoid some of the handicaps. <laughs> I, I could keep one or two of these up, up my sleeve until tomorrow morning because I, I'm going to be playing quite heavily in, in the handicaps because. A lot of the conditions races, we know the form. We know that, that, that they they bet how they should bet, and there's no there's not many ricks in those in those races, um, and there's not therefore that much way in value. But in these kind of events, um, you know, particularly the UK bookmakers probably wouldn't know the complete time of day with every single horse. So mm-hmm. there is an opportunity perhaps to to have a little bit of a touch here and then everywhere. But I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Ardler in this race, uh, Mickey Halford's horse. Um, just screams to me as if Mickey's had this race, or certainly this meeting on his mind for a little while now with this horse. Um, the fact that he, he 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 finished second early on in the season back in November to Grand Jury, mm. um, horse of uh, Henry de Bromheads, who has been a, a smidgen disappointing since, and only this only in the sense that he uh, he hasn't quite 
um, gone the way perhaps the connections thought he would have he would have done. But he's run a little beyond Ginto in the, in the Lawlers of Nice, who's still a respectable one in the context of like a handicap. And, and this fella, um, um, Adler, Adler uh, pushed uh, Henry de Bromes also all the way and he got beta length uh, back in November. He's subsequently gone on to win, win in a big field at Navan um, when uh, he went off quite a big price, actually, because he, he looks as though he got a good form chance. And then he was sent off favourite um, in a very good novices hurdle at, uh, back at the same track next time out. And although he got beat and finished in second, he got beat to the um, to the boys' winner, the uh, Martin Pike winner at Banbridge. It's probably the biggest mistake of the whole festival for me, Banbridge. Um, I marked off on my notes that day um, um, Martin Pipe because he was trained by Joseph O'Brien. He'd won in a fast time in a novice hurdle. And I thought, if this runs at Cheltenham, I'm definitely going to be all over this. And mm. I, I didn't put him up and I really was annoyed. I kind of like talked myself out of it on the day. But that time figure that day back in January was really good. And Adler, I thought, ran really well um, to only get beat a couple of lengths. I think the good ground will really suit this fellow as well. I think he's been quite shrewd in the sense that he's kept him away from soft winter ground all season and just pot hunted him, running run him on when the ground's, you know, just on the easy side of good. So conditions are ideal. He goes there fresh. I think I'm a mark 125. He's more than workable. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably my best bet on day one, Ardler, in the, in the um, hand, first of the handicaps. Ardler, six to one as it stands at the moment with just the one firm hills who are out at the moment uh johnny that's a strong one from andy have you got a similarly strong view on the uh, the first handicap of the week i do actually and it's not arla and i totally respect his chance i think arla and my selection might well be actually sort of locking horns a bit here in this i i've looked at it yesterday a hill is fair play to hills for going up five places um pricing up before anyone else in a in an 18 runner race so like if you can get a few quid on with hills you've you've great options here glan I thought she won readily last time. That looked a strong handicap, and it was actually three mares dominated. I tipped the horse that was second, um, very likely race horse, Willie Mullins. The third horse was also trained by Willie. And obviously, Esky Lane was fifth in that race. He travelled well. He just might have a small bit too much weight at this stage, 146. But I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by... Um, I'm fascinated by Great Bear, who's made the switch to, from Tom Gibney to Henry de Bromhead, is a horse that um, has never actually won over hurdles. He's been placed, I think five of his nine runs he's been placed he often makes the run and he ran an absolute blinder at this festival last year from the front um and he but he, he didn't get a soft lead either he was taken on he finished third um in a race in which i think uh, light brigade was second tom gibney has an eight percent strike rate with his hurdlers the last five seasons henry de had his 15 so nearly double that henry de had would have better horse and tom gibney's no mug but henry de romhead's horses have come into form big time he, he was in great form until begging the other day darrow keith has a terrific strike rate for henry as well so this horse on the stable switch um an unexpected stable switch i think he's fascinating off 127 very competitive and good races on the flat Um, you know he even he even um would would suggest to me that he's, he's only six year old as well seems to have been around longer than that so i think he's a fascinating runner if he can improve for the stable switch i think he must have a great chance and ardla as well mick halford i think he's had three jump winners in the last five seasons he's so few jumpers so i mean this would mean a lot to him to have a winner here and that horse is fascinating as well and it's a really interesting race i think absolutely great bear 12 to 1
stands at the moment for one for Johnny to keep an eye on. Uh, Ardler six to one, as we say for Andy. Let's get the forecast up. How about that? It wouldn't be a bad way to start the week. Uh, and to the um, the William Hill Champion Chase next up, and Anergamine is the eight to eleven favourite. Chacun um, Poissois, a different beast over in Ireland. Normally seven to four. Uh, Andy Dufresne sixteen to one. Uh, Envoy Allen eighteen to one, uh, returning to some form as we saw uh, back. Uh, at Cheltenham in March and Captain Guinness 33 to 1 uh, five runner affair but no shortage of quality here and, and a really interesting tussle particularly uh, between the top two here Johnny definitely yeah you know only five runners but I think this race is well up to scratch and even on Vatelin I think there was a time in the champion chase where a lot of people were wondering oh my god is this is this the day for him is he going to bounce back he was well backed he was only sent off tens mm. um, kind of hard to believe that he was beaten um it was hard to believe he's beaten 13 lengths, the end draws, the way he travelled, because I, I, I don't know, he'd had a wind off, but he, he, he kind of did look like he stopped a bit, so the, there's still maybe physical complications. Patrick Mullen said that he didn't feel Shaq and Persuade was necessarily going as well as people thought he was when he unseated. He was sent off 8-1, to one. Honor Gamin was sent off, what, 5-2, to two. so, mm. I mean, unless there's a theory that Shaq and Persuade doesn't travel, he was obviously, he's been brilliant in this race in the past, he's going for... Um, He's going for his second win, and Willie's going for what his fourth in a row. Um, unless it's a thing that he he doesn't travel, but for me, Honor Jameen, um, he probably should just win. If you're, I mean, if could the market have gotten it that much wronger at Cheltenham, much wrong at Cheltenham, and he did um power up the hill, he looked like the winner pretty much the whole way with Shishkin flopping. Um, and in fairness to him. The uh, the only defeat he had there was against Shishkin when he produced a brilliant performance. So I think he should win. Um, eight to eleven is probably a fair price, to be honest. It, do you not think it is fair for for you know Shaq and Porsois record here and you know the other side of the Irish Sea to be factored into his price, or, or, or would you look at it as being, you know, I, I know certainly Patrick Muddens uh, doesn't really buy into the theory that that it's a a, a um, you know he's made excuses basically for every poor run uh, over this side. But do you not think it's, it's understandable that that would be, that would be factored in, and that's why they're closer in the market here than they were at Cheltenham? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know any logistics of being unable to travel um, on a boat for a couple of hours to have a race. <laughs> I mean, every horse. I mean, we see it out every week that horses can do it. So. You can you can make excuses for Shaq and Porsois and all his performances, his three performances in Britain, and maybe he was actually going fine in Cheltenham. I'm just I, I'm just not sure that it's it should suggest that. I mean, if he were eight to one at Cheltenham and Honor Jameen was five to two, is it going to be that much of a difference here when Honor Jameen is essentially quite flawless anyway? So um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'd for him at eight to eleven and Shaq and at seven to four to be honest. Andy, where do you sit on the whole Shaq um, quandary? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously you know plenty of evidence now, isn't there? Enough evidence to suggest there is an issue, isn't there? Coming over um, to to either Cheltenham or Sandown, wherever it might be. Um, yeah, he just just it just doesn't seem to um, doesn't seem to like you know playing to his strengths, is it? One way or the other. Um, yeah, he's he's just such such a difficult one to fathom because on his day he's just amazing. Um, and he's usually amazing at this meeting, by the way. I mean, the, the last two times he shipped up here, it plunges down. He's been even better than he has been, like at Leopardstown, and he's been good at Leopardstown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just a you know creature comfort also Just you know, doesn't want to go too far in his box. Basically, I don't, I don't really know. But look, I don't think I'll be an argument anyway, regardless of how you, you see him. At, you know, his form in general terms at at, at, um, at Punchestown. Because let's let's face it, Nergamin was unbelievable here uh, last year, wasn't he? Mm. When he absolutely thrashed Janadil. So I don't think there's any issue with him as, uh, over the track either. 
and his time figures are better. Um, and I've got all the data on Energamin and all the data on Jack and Paul Swan in the last three or four years, and Energamin comes out top every single time you, you, you download the sheet. So unless Jack and Paul was going to improve again uh, at the ripe old age of 10, then I don't see him beating the younger horse. So again, I agree with John. I think 8 to 11 is a fair price. Well, I'm sure the... Um... Even for those who aren't watching this or listening to this, the Cigar Hard and Nergamine double is sure to be a pretty popular bet, I think, on day one Very of the Punchdown so, Festival. Yeah. And you're, get, right. you're getting 1.891 uh, to 1, so just shy of 2 to 1 about the double there, um, which could, you know, given um, seemingly both Johnny and Andy thinking they'll justify those short prices, uh, could be one way to play uh, in a couple of races, I guess, unless you're back in the favourite. It doesn't make much appeal in terms of, of betting heats. Um, there are two bumpers on the cards. We've got the, the 6 o'clock and the 7.45. No prices out at the moment. And I spoke to the guys before we came on air and uh, no strong views in, in either of those races or in the 7.10, which is the cross-country. Again, no early prices there either. So just one more race left to cover. On this um, show, and I'm, I'm certainly um, plenty of prices and plenty of opinions abound. I've got no doubt here uh, for the champion novice chase over three miles, where Bob Ollinger um, is the six to four favourite, Capodano five to two, Fury Road seven to one, Beacon Edge ten to one, Miller's Bank eleven to one, Lifetime Ambition 20, twelve to one, uh, Bally Shannon Rose twenty to one, and um, you know personally from my own punting perspective. To see a pretty vulnerable favourite in Bob Ollinger at six to four and only seven runners makes me very, very sad. Um, but Andy, I'm hoping you can still flag up here uh, what we can, you know, where there might be a bit of value. Yeah, I, I, I think this is the most vulnerable favourite um, on the card as far as I could see. Um, I mean, he was absolutely out on his feet, wasn't he, Cheltenham? He crawled up the hill mm. on his hands and knees, didn't he? Um, he ran the slowest speed figure the whole week. Um I mean, basically, Gallop on the, the Champs has got him on the ropes and just kept jabbing away and jabbing away. And in the end, he, the, you know, the, the, sort of the, the white flag was waved. Um, and it was just a real shame that Gallop and obviously fell. You know, we're dealing with a bit of a freak, freak um, horse in, in, in the shape of Gallop. So, the, you know, you've, you've got to give him some credit for at least offering some kind of resistance to as far as he did. But he just completely broke his heart. And I'm not just not sure how he's going to come back and sort of face up to it after that's such a, a such a pummeling. Um, plus the fact that he's now over three miles, um, you know, we just don't know whether he will definitely stay. There's a, you know, there's a school of thought that he will, obviously point to point winner, but until he goes and proves it, then there has to be an element of doubt. And I think that Capidano reversed the form with him um, the day when they met early on in the season. Obviously Bob Ollinger at the time was right on song, and two and a half miles was very much his trip, but. You go back and watch that race again. Capadano went with him for a long way. Then he was actually coming back on him, coming back at him on the running. And he's just been crying out for three miles. Always has been Capadano. He ran over three miles at Cheltenham. And I thought he was a bit disappointing that day. I know he ran okay to finish fourth in a grade one, which technically on paper is his best ever effort. Mm. But I was expecting perhaps a little bit more from him. He just didn't jump with the fluency that he normally does. And I think the key to him is going right-handed. I've watched him a few times now. I think, Fair, the fairy house, the punchy stands this world suit him a little bit better. That inside track just didn't help him at um, Cheltenham One Iota. Plus the fact the ground was absolutely bottomless. And when you've got a horse who's perhaps a little bit more careful than normal, you know, trying to plot his way around in a grade one, you know, when they're going a good gallop, he was kind of like half looking after himself a little bit as well. And, and I think Mark Walsh was riding him accordingly. So I think we'll see a more aggressive uh, combination of horse and jockey uh, on this occasion at Punchestown, plus the fact the ground's more in his favour. 
Um, he's won at this meeting before. Um, and I, like I said, I think three miles around here is going to be absolutely bang on for him. So I'd be giving one more go for Capadon. I've long, long been a, a big fan of this horse and I'm hoping he's finally going to prove me right. Capadon is five to two pretty much across the board. Uh, interestingly, just noticed as well, obviously most firms, given their seven runners, are, are a quarter of the two. But Betfred going at a fifth of three as well. Um, so if you are really are an each-way thief, uh, get yourself down to a Betfred. Um, Johnny, how do you see this? Do you do you agree with Andy that the Bob Ollinger's are there to be shot at? Yeah, I think you could make a strong case for backing him at six to four and a strong case for laying him six to four if you're to presume <laughs> that he if you presume that he stays the trip, which I think is very, very likely. I mean, then if he runs his race, he probably beats these. I think he's just a better horse. The way that they spoke about him all year, they were absolutely flummoxed how badly he ran at Cheltenham. And um, I don't know, I mean you could tell a long way out there he wasn't uh, he wasn't going. Henry de Bromhead's record with first time tongue ties, off the top of my head, I doubt it's something he does very often. So I, I don't really know what to make of that. I, I think if you take away his Shelton performance, he's going to be a far shorter price here. Like Capadano is a decent horse, but he wouldn't have his he wouldn't have his ability. And I don't really see him reversing the punchstone form even over this trip as much as it will improve him. Like the, Rachel gave Bob Ollinger a bit of a squeeze turning in, and he, he put the race to bed fairly quickly. But at the same time, you're, you, you have a first time tongue tie. You do have that slight stamina issue, and then you have the fact that he ran so badly at Cheltenham. So. Uh, it's probably a no bet race for me. I'd probably bet, bet Fury Road if I were to have a bet in it. Um, I think, you know, he obviously missed Cheltenham. He ran very, very well at Aintree, all beaten race. You can pick holes in. He's very good in his day. He was brilliant earlier on at Leperstown this season. Um, now, he obviously backed that up at the Dublin Race Festival with a poor run, but he loved this ground. Um, and, you know, 7-1, to one, I think he's going to run a solid race. Uh, he's won at Punchtown before. He's, he'll have no issues coming back here as much as he pulled up here last year. Um, he'd be a tentative vote for me. I'm I'm intrigued as to the market here because Bob Ollinger could easily go off odds on here. If if they're very happy with him at home, he's probably an odds on shot here. But I don't know. I don't like backing horses at the tail end of a season who flopped the last day of a first time tongue tie and are stepping up and trip. Just too many negatives at the prices. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, seven to one across the board, including with Betfred, who I mentioned are three places that stands at the moment. Uh, positive mention there from Johnny, but uh, not quite as keen to to get against Bob Ollinger. And, and as you mentioned earlier in the show as well, uh, Henry de Bromhead's yard certainly in, in much better form now than they were uh, over the Cheltenham Festival week as well. Uh, that brings our first day of the Punchtown Festival preview to a close. Uh, we are going to be recording a Wednesday preview shortly as well when prices are out. So do check that out and subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. And you can find these podcasts on any po podcast platform as well. Thank you very much to both Johnny and for Andy uh, for sharing their wisdom and their tips with us. Uh, hopefully a couple of winners in there as well. Do download the Odds Checker app for the very best prices. Bookie offers free bets, place terms and tips to straight to the app uh, every morning of racing and uh, hopefully uh, it's the beginning of a great start of a great week of racing and hopefully uh, we'll be a couple of winners in there as well but as ever please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly